You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily Florida State Seminoles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Seminoles podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I hope you guys have been enjoying your week so far. Um, For those of you who have listened before, I really appreciate all the support that you guys have given me in the past. Uh, I didn't introduce myself because I'm still a little out of it, but I am Wayne McGee III, Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. And for those of you who haven't listened before and don't know who I am, I've covered Florida State for each of the last four years. I cover football, baseball, basketball, and recruiting. Pretty much if anything's going on with any of those those three major sports, um, I'm there. Unless it, I don't go to uh, away basketball games and away baseball games unless they're postseason games. I was out in Nashville and Los Angeles for Florida State's Elite Eight run this past year. And I was out in Omaha for the Florida State's run in the College World Series a couple years back. And I also cover every major and minor recruiting event that Florida State has. So, there's been a, you know, there's a couple things to uh, to talk about. DeAndre Francois coming back, uh, at least for one more semester. Um, we'll get into what that means in, in just a minute. I also have a story to share on Trevor Lawrence. You know, I, if you haven't heard of him, then you didn't watch the national championship game last night. Uh, he is Clemson's starting quarterback, and I've got a story to share about how uh, Florida State ruined their chances of landing him, oh, four years ago, three, four years ago. So <clears throat> it's um, got that. We're going to talk a little bit about Florida State basketball, um, maybe a little recruiting talk. Some of uh, We're also going to talk about how, how far back Florida State is from Clemson at this point in time. So there's a lot to talk about today. Um, First things first, the main thing on on the agenda is DeAndre Francois returning, um, at least for one more semester. There's there's a possibility that he could end up graduating. I know he he graduated. He walked, or I know he walked. Um, but from what I'm hearing, he did not have enough credits to actually graduate and needed to come back for one some one more semester. I don't know that for a fact. That's just what I've heard. So don't take that as the gospel. But that's um, you know, that, that would explain why he's back for at least one more semester. Um, he still could move on at the end of the spring. Don't know yet, but, um, you know, at the end of December or halfway through December, Florida state did not expect him back. And now he's back. Uh, you know, that'll lead to a little bit of competition in the spring, which is good for everybody. Uh, James Blackman, DeAndre Francois will both be competing. Jordan Travis, the transfer quarterback from Louisville, will be uh, <clears throat> on campus as well. Uh, he would have to get a waiver to to play next season. I doubt that happens at this point. Um, but so, but he can still take reps. He can still learn the offense. So it's uh, you know there, there's there's stuff there, but it's mostly going to be DeAndre Francois and James Blackman. Um, not sure you know if if Francois. Is still intending to transfer, you know, it would have made more sense if he was going to be a graduate transfer to transfer in December and then have a, you know, full spring under his belt wherever he decided to go. I don't think the NFL was ever a legitimate option for him. Um, you know, just <laughs> judging off his, uh, his past season and everything. I mean, he finished the last four games, his last four starts of the season, he completed under 50% of his passes in each game, had two touchdowns and six interceptions. So, um, 
you know, everyone halfway through the season, myself included, thought that James Blackman needed to start. He only started one game last year. He played in four. He will get that red shirt. So he will be a red shirt sophomore coming into this year. DeAndre Francois will be a red shirt senior. So it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see how the spring goes at the quarterback position. Florida State could also be looking to bring in another uh, bring in a graduate transfer. Um, obviously, Jalen Hurts would be at the top of that list, but I'm not sure how much interest he would have in Florida State. He's coming off, you know, he's won a national title with Alabama, and you know he's played behind that Alabama offensive line for for three years, and I'm not sure why. At this point, with Florida State's offensive line the way it, the way it is, why he would consider coming to Florida State when I do think that there are better options for him immediately to come out there. I know that's a sad state of affairs, but um, just trying to be honest here, I, I don't understand why he would put himself in that position to get hit over and over and over again behind a Florida State offensive line that hasn't proven that it, it can keep its quarterback upright in five years. So... Um, We'll we'll have to see. You know, Sports Illustrated put out a uh, a story about Jalen Hurts today, talking about potential transfer destinations. Florida State was not one of the five listed. Um, I I do believe that he he would be better off going somewhere else. Now, Florida State wouldn't be better off. Florida State would be much better off with him on campus and uh, you know coming in for the quarterback role, even if it's just for one year. Um, but that is what it is. Florida State will also be pursuing multiple uh, high school recruits this cycle, um, trying to land a couple. John Rice Plumley, um, Lance Legendry are the two most common names that I've heard at this point. Um, Florida State would like to bring in at least two, uh, two high school quarterbacks, that is, um, and maybe a grad transfer. You know, Florida State's quarterback uh, position group is is very, very thin. It was very, very thin this past year after Bailey Hockman transferred, so they need to uh, find some talent and and just and just bring it in and try and develop it. That's that's the best way to go about it at this at this point because they did miss out on uh, Sam Howell, who was supposed to be an early enrollee and would have really helped Florida State's quarterback um, quarterback position group. So, but there's a uh, you know no use talking about what uh, what could have been um, as far as that goes. That happened. It's you know, left a sour taste in everybody, everybody's mouth the way it went down, and Florida State's now trying to scramble and, and find ways to, um, find ways to, I guess, fill the void that he left, and it's it's not going to be easy. Florida State really needed the depth for him um, to be able to come in in the spring, because if DeAndre Francois does decide to transfer at the end of spring, then Florida State will have one quarterback, James Blackman, um, on the roster with any sort of experience and both quarterbacks, you know, coming in behind him, assuming Florida State brings in two high school quarterbacks that didn't arrive until June and only had a month of practice before the 2019 season. So yeah, now I'm going to, um, you know, just jumping off of that, I'm going to share a story on how uh, Florida State blew its chance with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, years before he, he blew up into the, uh, you know, number one overall recruit probably a future Heisman Trophy winner, arguably the best quarterback in the country. Um, you know, he's, he's a phenomenal player, and you saw what he could do last night. He's, he's an excellent quarterback. Um, if, he was the, 
if he was to be able to enter the draft now, he'd be the number one overall pick. I'm not saying that he, you know, he, he's completely ready for that, but he would definitely be the number one overall pick. He's the most talented quarterback in college football. Um, and I don't think there's any question about that. But um, when Trevor Lawrence was, I believe, a sophomore, he took a, he took a visit to Florida State. And uh, he came for a game, and nobody knew who he was. Florida State hadn't didn't didn't know who he was. They didn't they didn't talk to him. Um, I, I say they didn't talk to him. They they talked to him a little bit, but they didn't like spend really any time with him. Just like hey, how you doing? You know, welcome to Florida State stuff like that. Um, and it left a bad taste in his mouth. You know, and from that point on, you know he he was he was starting to at that point he was he I believe he led Cartersville to a state championship. Um, he was already starting to get that that hype around him, and Florida State didn't, you know, didn't didn't recognize him. Didn't, um, I guess, di- they didn't treat him the way he was expecting to be treated, and basically, Florida State blew its chance that day. Um, uh, you could say whatever it is. You could say that the coaching staff, you know, the coaching staff, obviously should have known who he was. I understand that you're getting ready for a game, but with a recruit that's that talented, even even back then, you everybody knew he was that talented. Um, maybe not to what he's become over the past couple of years, and then now, but he was extremely talented as a uh, as a sophomore. And he took a visit, didn't like what he saw, and Florida State basically killed any chance that they had of bringing him in at that point. Um, so if you're wondering why Florida State could never gain any traction with uh, with Trevor Lawrence, that's why. Um, so, but that's going to do it for this, uh, this first segment. The next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about how far behind Florida State is from Clemson, who just won their second national championship in three years and beat the hell out of Alabama, um, last night. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that and just what that means for Florida State in the next segment. But before we get into that, take a listen to this. Thanks for sticking with me as we head into this uh, second segment. We're going to talk a little bit about, about Clemson. Um, you know, a nice little segue talking about Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback of Clemson, and he's going to be there for at least two more years, which means that the Clemson offense is going to be outstanding for at least two more years. Um, you know, he's a he's a generational-type quarterback. He's He's phenomenal, and... The wide receivers that they have there are absolutely incredible. T. Higgins, Justin Ross, Amari Rogers, you know, Trevion Thompson. Um, I mean, there's so many guys. You know, it's it's one of the best wide receiving units in college football, if not the best. If it's it's at least top two, along with Alabama's. Um, it's a special, special wide receiver unit. Um, and then obviously Travis Etienne is going to be there for at least one more year. And then they might get uh, Jerry and Ely, although he's probably going to end up going to play uh, play college or professional baseball instead of going to college. But at this point, you know, Clemson's offense is a well-oiled machine. And on the offensive line, they don't actually recruit. They don't recruit like Bama. Nobody recruits like Bama. But what Clemson does do is they develop their offensive line better than any team in the country. I mean, guys that you know, came in as three-star recruits. They, Dabo, you know, jumping off track a little bit, Dabo Sweeney is one of the best coaches I've ever seen 
at evaluating talent early and getting on them. Um, you know, comparing him to someone, you know, from a different sport, I'm going to compare him to Leonard Hamilton. Now, Hamilton doesn't have the, you know, Florida State is not or wasn't a nationally a national powerhouse in basketball, and Clemson wasn't either. But they started getting better. They started winning ACC titles, and you know he, he was able to build up that program like Leonard Hamilton's built up Florida State. Um, it's just that you know Clemson's been able to bring in elite wide receiver talent, quarterback talent, defensive line talent for many many years, and <clears throat> adding into um, and the reason that they've been able to do that is because Dabo Sweeney evaluates talent better than any uh, better, better than almost any coach in the country. Um, he evalu- evaluates coaching talent and he he evaluates you know recruiting talent, and that comes from obviously building a great staff. The staff around him is awesome. Brent Venables is the best de- defensive coordinator in the country, along with uh, Brown up at Michigan. But you know th- they evaluate talent. They find guys early. They jump on them early, and now they're in position to not jump on kids early. Um, they're in position to take and and come in late on kids like they Florida State was in on um Will Putnam my the name escaped me for a second Will Putnam um before he, he was before Clemson was but Clemson got in on him and he basically made a business decision to go to Clemson over Florida State you know he, he really enjoyed Florida State he liked everything about it but in the end he made the decision that he felt was best for his his pro football career and his career in football in general. And I I don't blame him. Clemson has been, has done a fantastic job of developing offensive line talent. Uh, I mean, you look at what that Clemson offensive line did to that Alabama front four and front seven last night, and it was special. I mean, they were very, very good. Um, So if they've, they've done a really good job of building up the offensive line, the wide receiver talent, the running back talent, the quarterback talent, it's all there. The Clemson offense is not going away. Um, and then as far as the defense goes, you know, they're losing all front four of those guys. And then they've guys got guys like Xavier Thomas behind them. You know, the former number one overall, number one defensive end. He was the number one overall recruit from, for most of the cycle before Trevor Lawrence took that from him. Um, he's a phenomenal player. You know, Florida State was after him extremely hard. I got to watch him in person a couple of times. And he was just a special, special football player. And they continue, they're continuing to bring in top talent across the board. I mean, Clemson's here to last, guys. They're not going anywhere. They're a better program than what Florida State is right now. They are the premier program in the ACC. And as long as Dabo Sweeney is there and he continues to bring in coaches that understand what they're doing and fit the system and bring in talent that they're bringing in, Clemson isn't going away. Like Florida State is going. If if Florida State wants to get up and compete, it's not going to be because Clemson lowered itself. It's going to be because Florida State built itself back up to the position where they were competing with Clemson. Um, because Clemson is is built something special under Dabo Sweeney. You know he's a. I I when he was first hired, I didn't think much of him as a coach, and I was wrong. He's you know it's it takes a special kind of person to know your deficiencies and identify people that can fill those and then go out and do what he's done. So I, you know, my hat is off if I was wearing one to Dabo Sweeney and what he's been able to do. But um, if Florida State's going to get back to doing that, Florida State's going to have to recruit the three positions that, uh, that Clemson has recruited or 
well, the two positions for, uh, that Clemson's recruited especially well and develop at the position that Clemson's developed at the best. So, quarterback, you know, getting Trevor Lawrence is obviously a feather in Tapo's cap. That dude is phenomenal. I've talked enough about him. Florida State's quarterback recruiting has been abysmal for a couple years now. Uh, they didn't sign a quarterback last year. They didn't sign a quarterback that's going to early enroll this year. And the quarterback options that are available, they're okay. They're not great. Florida State needs to land a extremely talented 2020 quarterback. Like there's there's no debating that. Florida State needs to land a quarterback that they believe can run the offense and be the guy. Um. Then you've got the defensive line position. Florida State's recruited well at the defensive line position. That There's no doubt about that. Marvin Wilson, Brian Burns. Uh, defensive end recruiting. Florida State's recruited a lot of really good players. But over the past couple of years, there's not been really any elite players. I really like Dennis Briggs. Um, you know, I like Derek McClendon. I, I like Curtis Fan. Quayshawn Fuller, you know, assuming that he sticks in the class. I like those guys. But they aren't elite, elite talented football players like Florida State's been, you know, like Florida State was bringing in before. You know, Florida State needs to uh, pick up its de- its defensive line recruiting. Um, you know, outside of outside of Marvin Wilson, I really like True Thompson. You know, he, True's my dude. <laughs> I, you know, he he's going to be a really really solid football player. Um, but Florida State needs to bring in elite caliber talent on the defensive line. And I'm not sure that they've done that so far during the Willie Taggart tenure. It's something that it's going to be, it, at least over the next cycle, it's going to be something to keep an eye on how well they do. They missed out on Kayvon. They missed out on Chris Bogle, who at this point two years ago, I was expecting to uh, for him to be in a Florida State uniform. Um you know, they did a really good job of getting guys on campus and bringing guys in, but they, they need to do a better job of getting those guys in the class. Um, and that'll come with on-field results, obviously. everything, it, it, Almost everything revolves around winning, but Florida State has to improve a quarterback on the defensive line, bringing in more talent there, and they have to develop better on the offensive line. Florida State's offensive line is abysmal. That's, that is the biggest difference between Florida State and Clemson at this point. Um, you know, Clemson's offense is a well-oiled machine, and Florida State's offense is a truck that breaks down, like, once a week. That's that's what it looked like this past year. Um, maybe they get that fixed under Kendall Bryles. <clears throat> we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see who's in, uh, under, well, not under center, but in the shotgun, because uh, Florida State does not run under center very often. Um, they didn't do it for, like, like, the first nine games of the season. So... If if Florida State's going to get it turned around and going to start competing with Clemson, the on-field results have to change, and Florida State's you know got to start recruiting better. Florida State's recruiting class is is currently good. It's it's a good recruiting class. It's not a great recruiting class, and really, as far as elite players go, like elite players that they at their position, I think Florida State signed three. Well, has three committed. Um, one of them early enrolled. That's Akeem Dent. I do think Akeem Dent is an elite player. I think he'd be much better safety than cornerback. I wouldn't, you know, I'd like to see him in the free safety role. Um, I talked a little bit about that yesterday, I believe. Then Nick Cross, I talked about him. That is an elite football player. What he was able to do in the Army All-American game when they were playing him single high safety, and he played it for four quarters. 
like the endurance to be able to do that, the speed with which he had, the range, the ball skills, the physicality. He's an elite football player. And then Travis J. Travis J is an elite football player. Um, I've said it for a while now. Um, I wasn't the first on the J train, but I wasn't far behind. Um, so I, I do think Travis J is an elite football player. So with that, you know, all three of those guys are in the secondary. Florida State didn't land an elite player at quarterback. They didn't land an elite player on the defensive line. They landed some very good players. That's not to say that uh, I don't want to disparage that. They landed some very, very good players. But there isn't a guy that's going to come in and just be elite at, from what I'm from what I understand. And then on the offensive line, Dante Lucas is, is the best offensive lineman Florida State has. Jay Williams is probably going to come in and com- compete for a starting job. He's early enrolling. Dante Lucas is early enrolling. He needs to get in the strength system, um, drop a little bit of bad weight, and I think he's a guy that could compete for, for playing time early. And maybe he's an elite prospect, but I think he's just, I think he's a very, very good prospect. So, you know, Florida State's that's that's the biggest difference um, that I've seen. People have compared this class to um, I've seen people compare this class to the 2011 Florida State class, and the difference is is that Florida State landed elite players in that class, guys that turned out to be you know exceptional players. Timmy Jernigan, uh, James Wilder, Carlos Williams, Nick O'Leary, you know, Tank Carradine, Devonta Freeman, Rashad Green, Kelvin Benjamin, like that. The, that class had guys that were exceptional. As far you know, as far as guys that we thought were going to be exceptional, you know, Carlos Williams, Timmy Jernigan, James Wilder, Nick O'Leary were all you know composite five stars. Florida State has one composite five star in this class, and that's Akeem Dent, and he's right on the cusp of being a um, of of dropping that five star. I think he's an elite prospect. I also think that Nick Cross and Travis Jay are vastly underrated. I think both of those guys are elite prospects, but Florida State has to do um, has to find a way to get the elite prospects back in. They've got to find a way to get those Kayvon Thibodeaux and get them on campus and get them signed. Um, but that you know that's the biggest that's the biggest difference right now is you know Clemson has a better overall roster and in the trenches and at quarterback they're far and away better than Florida State is. Um, I don't think anyone you know would would disagree with that, especially not at quarterback. You know, offensive line, obviously not. Um, and then the defensive line, Clemson's losing a lot, but they've recruited so well. And you, you know, when those when those guys came off uh, came off the field, and look at Dexter Lawrence. He didn't even play the last two games, and Clemson's defensive line didn't miss a beat. You know, so Florida State's got um got some work to do as far as that as that goes. But I've already got over uh, you know. I've already gone way over the time limit for this, so I'm going to move on to the next segment, um, talking a little bit about Florida State basketball. Thanks for sticking with me. Sorry, guys. I know I I ran over this, so if you're interested in Florida State basketball, I'll be back talking tomorrow because Florida State plays Miami. Um, I'll have the podcast before the game because I don't really feel like doing it until 1 a.m. again. Um, So Florida State basketball... Blowout loss to Virginia. Nothing went right. Terrence Mann was dealing with a heel injury. That's why he didn't start. He didn't practice leading up to the game. Uh, Trent Forrest also didn't practice. They combined for one point. Um, you know, it was the first time in 65 games that, that Terrence Mann didn't have a point in a game. He hadn't done it since his freshman year. He's a senior. Um, you know, it just wasn't Florida State's game. They were getting they were getting good looks, and nothing was falling 
it, I mean, absolutely nothing was falling for Florida State. And then Virginia, Kyle Guy couldn't miss. It was a, it was a, a really tough atmosphere to play in. And playing Virginia style, if you're missing a lot, you're going to end up in trouble. Um, because you're going to, at some point, you're going to have to start chucking up just a bunch of threes to try and make it back. Or, you know, and it's just, it's a mess. Playing Virginia is always a mess. And, you know, it just wasn't Florida State's day. That doesn't mean that Florida State is not a very, very good basketball team. Um, they play Miami, and then they get number one Duke in the tuck on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I want to see Zion in person. Hopefully he ends up on the Hawks, but they keep winning, and I keep getting pissed off about it because they keep winning and they keep losing their chance. But uh, moving on past that, um, you know, Florida State... Florida State has to find a guy that that can be a consistent scorer. MJ Walker could be that guy, but he hasn't found the consistency yet. You know, he he hasn't found a way to be you know, to to play at the level he needs to play for the entirety of a game. You know, when it comes to offense, that guy can take over a game. Like we've seen it in spurts. But he hasn't been able to put it all together. Um you know, PJ Savoy has been kind of absent lately. You know, it's just Florida State hasn't played well of late. You know, Phil Kofer's still coming back from injury. Terrence Mann's been injured. MJ Walker was injured. He missed a couple games. Trent Forrest has now been injured. Um, you know, they're still finding finding out how to play together. Adding Phil Kofer back to the lineup, you know, it is supposed to improve Florida State, but that's going to take a little time. Um, you know, with, with Miami, Florida State is a 10-point favorite in this game. They should win this game fairly handily. It's a Tucker Center. Florida State's only lost, I believe, two games in their last 40 inside the Tucker Center, and they are better than Miami. Um, you know, I'll talk a little bit more about that matchup. I'm, again, you know, for those of you who are interested in the basketball talk, I apologize because I did go way over talking about, you know, Clemson and Florida State. So I apologize for that, but tomorrow's podcast, we'll talk a lot about the Florida State basketball team. Um, so, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. I hope you guys uh, will continue to tune in to this podcast. But that'll do it from uh, from the Locked On Seminoles podcast. I'm Wayne McGahey the third. Have a wonderful day.